0: International music from all over the world. Well, look no further, because the Cosmopolitan Culture Club has you covered. And there's only one place to hear it: Sienna T Radio, making your day brighter, one song at a time.
1: Listen to Sienna T Radio, because that is where it's at, baby. And it goes a little something like this. Listen to Sienna. You're gonna like it. Check it out. Sienna has the best songs, the best vibes from around the world. Tune in now or you're missing out.
0: Welcome to All Over the Map, where we cover our favorite sports teams, sports media, and the world of broadcasting with your host, Ali Musa. Ali Welcome to the Monday show for All Over the Map. This is the show where we cover um, the world of broadcasting, sports media, sports, and anything in between. I am your host, Ali Musa. Joining me today is Dr. Joe Schwartz. Dr. Joe is the director for Office uh, for Science and Society at McGill University in Montreal, and his background is in chemistry. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today on All Over the Map. I really appreciate your time. This means a lot to me.
1: Well, thanks very much.
0: Start, let's start with, uh, tell us, about, uh, tell us about, your, uh, um, about your upbringing and where you're from, please. Let's start there.
1: I was uh, born in Hungary, I came to Canada uh, during the Hungarian Revolution 1956. And <clears throat> I've been in Montreal ever since. And uh, I've been a professor at McGill since uh, 1980. And about uh, 23 years ago when the uh, university started the Office for Science and Society, I became his director. And um, in the uh, Ensuing so years, I've gotten into all kinds of uh, ways to communicate science to the public. I have the longest running radio show on chemistry and world history, with 43 years. I write a newspaper column, I've written 19 books, do a, a weekly newsletter through our office, uh, give a number of public lectures, and essentially try to sensitize people to the importance of science uh, and uh, separate myth from fact, sense from nonsense. So that really is sort of, you know, encapsulation of my uh, of my career. Uh, the basic thrust really is to shed light on the imaginations of science and to make sure that people don't get led astray by the charlatans, of which there are a large number.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. You just mentioned there back there that um, the that the goal is that you get that you try to separate um, sense from nonsense, and that's where that that's the slogan that you came up with that has been around. Where how, how did you come up with that? Like, where did that slogan come from initially?
1: Well, uh, I, I guess I I made it up because when I uh, you know first started uh, teaching, which was way back in the nineteen seventies. Of course I had grown up in an educated environment and gotten a PhD in in, in chemistry and uh, essentially was uh, teaching chemistry the way that you know it had been done for for uh, decades but uh, then I you know I started to to read more and more on peripheral aspects of of science and began to realize that there were a lot of people out there who were using science in an improper way uh starting from you know making uh, unsubstantiated claims for herbal remedies to out and out nonsense uh pretending that non-existent molecules can have a a, an effect against disease which is what homeopathy is all about Uh, and uh, i began to be more and more despondent about the amount of uh, nonsense that was being purveyed and uh, so i started to infuse you know those kind of arguments into into my lectures on how it is that we think we know what we know in the scientific world uh how it is based on the peer reviewed literature uh, as opposed to you know anecdotal evidence and and just hearsay or made up stuff and uh, as uh, time progressed unfortunately with the advent of the internet Uh, the charlatans got wings uh, because this made it possible for them to, you know, to uh, get their message out in a very simple way. And they started to gather large audiences because they mostly were promoting simple solutions to complex problems. And of course, that is a very seductive thing. So fighting this has become more and more of a challenge. And obviously with covid there were more and more of these uh, uh quacks coming out of the woodwork with their uh, arguments about uh, uh treatments that had uh, no evidence behind them and uh, conspiracy theories about you know how covid had all been concocted by uh, uh governments or the deep state etc so <clears throat> whereas um, you know, in the in the early days, I used to just sort of peripherally refer to uh, the importance of separating facts and myth. Now it has become a uh, much greater part of what, what I do on a regular basis because they have become such a large part of life with their conspiracy theories and their, um, you know, promotion of uh, all kinds of supplements uh, that have no basis in fact.
0: I've always really found it interesting that, you know, like, all these sort of theories that come up, and I I, I just find it very, like, like, I, I personally find it's very easy to tell what makes sense and what does not.
1: Uh, well, then you must have a rare talent, because most people can, most people cannot uh, easily differentiate that because they don't really have the background the you know the intellectual equipment to do that uh, for example you know uh, with the promotion of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin which was extensively done uh, during covid well the, these things can be made to sound very very seductive by using you know scientific lingo and if you're not familiar with how science works and you cannot trace the scientific literature and look up the relevant studies understand the studies it's very easy to be taken in by the fact that you know hydroxychloroquine is the answer to to covid which of course it isn't when you go by the scientific uh, evidence but um the uh, uh the quacks are very good at what they do they're very good at making their arguments and uh they've learned to put on the mantle of science and to spout the pseudoscientific lingo and it can be very convincing to people so I, I don't think it's so easy for the you know the everyday person to to tell the the difference uh i think a large segment of the population knows that if something sounds too good to be true it usually is Uh, because there are no miracles out there. But there is a very large segment of the population as well who does not know that and who are ready to jump on a bandwagon that rolls by, you know, proclaiming that uh, some sort of miracle exists, whether it's in um, fighting COVID or the treatment of of cancer. And uh, so it, it is actually quite challenging to set people on the on the right track uh because uh, there you know there are so many people out there who are guiding them on the wrong track but in what sounds like you know uh pol- with believable data uh so it's it's very difficult, you know, to to uh, convince some people who have uh, swallowed the Kool Aid that they shouldn't have done so.
0: It's very easy, like, to fall down a trap, in a sense of, you know, because oftentimes these things are shared, right? They get they get shared with other people, and then that's what kind of, um, you oh, know, yes. pro- yeah.
1: Very often, you know, people share things without thinking about it. Uh, they get some message, they get an email, or they see a post on on uh, TikTok or Facebook, and it kind of looks interesting, and they just click on the share button, and off it goes. You know, uh, and the the information, the misinformation these days spreads like wildfire, because it's much more seductive than the real facts, because the real facts often are not very comforting. You know, it's it's much easier to believe that that uh, there is a cure for a disease than to have to confront the fact that many diseases are very difficult to cure and uh, there are no cures for them but if you know if if someone says well you know all you have to do to uh, to treat cancer is drink celery juice uh, people are willing to buy into that because it's a lot easier to you know content with drinking celery juice than to have to think about uh, chemotherapy. And there are charlatans out there who propose exactly those kind of, of notions. And the one I'm referring to is a guy who calls himself the medical medium. And Anthony William is his name. He does a radio show in Florida. He's written books, which are on the New York Times bestseller list. Doesn't mean much because many quag books make it onto the bestseller list and uh, his game is that he says he cons- he uh, has a contact in the spirit world a departed physician who seems to be all knowing and um, he gives him spiritual advice which he then transmits to the gullible public and very often that spiritual advice is to drink celery juice which seems to be a cure all for everything and it's you know quite shocking the number of people who actually buy into this because it's such a simple thing to do. And it's, you know, so seductive that something so simple can cure a disease. Of course it doesn't, and there's no evidence uh, for it. And it's always shocking to me to see how people fall for these things and uh, that they buy into the most nonsensical notions that even just a quick search uh, would reveal that there's no evidence for.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that's that's just that's the that's just it. Where when people like see, it's just like it it is kind of a way that we that we have to have some kind of balance between what makes sense and what really doesn't.
1: Well, yes, but in order to determine whether it makes sense or not, you do have when it comes to scientific issues. You do have to have some background knowledge, you know, uh, that you can use to to weigh whether it is sensible or, or, or not. Uh, because uh, there are many things that can be made to sound very sensible, which are not when you look for the evidence. So it's, it's not just, you know, everyday common sense that you need when it comes to scientific issues you do need to be able to explore the literature and see what the data really say.
0: Now you mentioned there, um, that, um, that you host the, the uh, uh, a radio show and which is, which is actually, you know what, it's always been one of my favorites. I'll be honest. And, um, and I'll tell you the history. I'll tell you how I discovered that as well. But um, tell us about the radio show first. And then if you'd like, I can share how I initially discovered it.
1: Right. Well, they, um, we started the radio show 43 uh, years ago. Uh, on radio station CJD here in Montreal and still ongoing there, but now it's also broadcast around the world, uh, you know, because it can be picked up on the internet simultaneously or it can be listened to as a podcast because all the shows are, are recorded. (laughs) And um, it it all started uh, back, as I said, about 43 years ago when I was doing some uh, demonstrations at a off of Expo 67, Expo 67 was a wonderful World's Fair held here in Montreal in 1976. And some of those pavilions were taken over by um, the city of Montreal and by various uh, uh, industries uh, to continue on after Expo was uh, finished. And one of those pavilions was taken over by uh, the Bell Telephone uh, Company and, um, uh, they had a display of all kinds of electronic equipment, but they also had an auditorium there where they wanted to mount some kind of a, a science show. And, uh, they asked me and some colleagues whether or not we could do some sort of chemical demonstrations to entice the public. And, uh, I did that. And, uh, we had, uh, over two summers, several hundred thousand people who came through there and, uh and watched us and uh, there were were some reports about this uh, in in the press and uh, then I got a a call from uh, uh, radio station uh, CJD uh, about one of the columns that had been written about our 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 little show and uh, that article was written was written in the Montreal Gazette and uh, the uh, writer was saying that uh, While the whole world is worried about urea formaldehyde, because at that time there was a concern there, uh, you know, in those days about this insulating material uh, releasing formaldehyde because we had just come through the uh, energy crisis of the 70s. So people were insulating and there were a lot of problems with some of the insulating companies who were using the urea formaldehyde inappropriately and it was actually releasing uh, formaldehyde. And um, so he wrote a column about this, that while the whole world is worried about this, uh, there are these chemists who were doing this demonstration saying what a wonderful uh, product uh, it is. Well, the fact is that we were not talking about urea formaldehyde, we were demonstrating a totally different substance called polyurethane. And uh, he had uh, just you know mixed up the two. And uh, I wrote back, a, you know, a, a letter to the Gazette at that time, that uh, this uh, columnist had uh, missed uh, too many chemistry classes, and he didn't he didn't understand that uh, two substances could look the same because uh, urea formaldehyde and polyurethane are both foam substances. They could both look the same, but have totally different chemical properties. And uh, when uh, I wrote that, I got a call from CJD asking if I would uh, come on the air to comment on this controversy. So I said, of course, I I could do that, but there's no controversy here. These are two chemically different substances. The only thing they have in common is that they both look like foams. So I I went on and I explained that, and uh, I guess they liked the way I explained it because the next week, they called me about some some other sort of science-related question. And then they said, how would you like to come on the air regularly and uh, uh, answer people's questions? So at first, it started every two weeks. And then very quickly, it became a weekly show, which it is still happening. And uh, what we do is, uh, to, of course, take questions from the audience. And I also throw out a couple of uh, questions to the audience every week to try to solicit answers. And those usually are on topics uh, behind which there is a more intriguing story that I can then talk about. So um, uh, we bring in current uh, interesting items that have appeared in the world of food and drugs and and cosmetics. Or sometimes I talk about historical uh, items. And uh, we have interesting conversations with guests and uh, with people who just uh, call in. So it's kind of um, fun to do, and I think it gives people a good picture of what is happening in the world of science, uh, how to think about science, and hopefully uh, we foster some critical thinking, which is sorely needed.
0: Yeah, and now it, how I first discover I discovered it the show, was that it used to, I don't know if you remember this, but back several years ago, it used to air on New Stock 1010 in Toronto. Yes. And I used to, at that time, um, actually, it was actually, what happened was an old uh, school bus driver of mine had told me about your show. And then I said, okay, you know what? This sounds interesting. I'll check it out. So then I checked it out, and that's how I kinda that's how I, you know, kinda got into listening to, you know, your show. And it was honestly, it's it was it has honestly uh it would a dream to you know be able to you know have my own show and to chat with you about the show and about your thoughts on uh, on science. Now also uh um I did tease last week. That and um, I mentioned there, um, that uh, I had uh, Spider Jones on last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always, you know, what every time I think of Spider, you know, I always thought of you as well because um, his show on News Talk 1010 used to follow your show every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's go ahead, yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, the reason that, uh, you know, no longer is it broadcast on other radio stations, I mean, that is all thanks to the, you know, the new new world of podcasts and, you know, worldwide listeners, uh, that uh, anyone can listen from anywhere in the world anyway, you know, from through CJAD. So there's no reason for other stations to, to pick it up because... You know, everyone can listen anywhere. Anyway, that's the the reason that you know is usually uh, given.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, they, and they've they've got the same owners too.
1: Yes, yes, they do. They do. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean,
1: I, I suppose they they could uh, simultaneously broadcast it. I I don't know why 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 they don't. I mean, uh, I think, you know, the argument that they use that anyone who wants to listen can just go online and listen anyway. Which, of course, is true.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to ask you one thing that how did you get into um, how did you get into um, to writing? Like uh, you've written some books. Can you tell us about that, please?
1: Yeah, uh, it started uh, really through the radio. Because after I had been doing the radio for a few years, I got a call from uh, from Montreal Gazette if I would like to write a column. And so I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll, that sounds interesting. Give that a try." So I did. I started writing the column. Then a couple of years after that, I got a call from a publisher who had been reading the columns and asked me if uh, I had any interest in uh, writing uh, a book. And uh, I hadn't thought about it at that time, but, you know, it sounded kind of uh, intriguing. And so I said, uh, yeah, let me see that because, you know, I have a lot of material that I've talked about that I've you know written columns about. And, you know, I could mine that and put together uh, uh, a book. And uh, I said, I even have an idea what I would like to call the book. And uh, I said, I'd like to call it The Right Chemistry because there's so much chemistry that is wrong that was being promoted, you know, at the time. And at first he said, okay, that's fine. So I put together the book and uh, I had the prospective title, The Right Chemistry, and uh, sent it in. And uh, of course, as they usually do, uh, they consult their salespeople about, you know, how to promote the book. So I get a call from the publisher saying that, uh, the the salespeople really liked the book and that it would have a good market, but he said you can't call it the right chemistry. So I said why not? Uh, and he said, well, uh, people are scared of chemistry. People are scared of chemicals, and uh, it's just not a title that's going to sell well. So uh, although you know I I didn't like changing it because I thought that you know I really wanted to promote the right chemistry. But I figured, you know, they know better about sales. So I said, OK, so what uh, what do you suggest? And um, they said, well, let's take uh, the name of one of the chapters in the book and use that for the title of the book, as it's, you know, quite commonly done. And one of those chapters was called Radar Hula Hoops and Pig Balls. And it was uh, all about polyethylene, a plastic that made radar possible. It was used to make hula hoops. And it also was used to make a type of ball that farmers who raised pigs would use and throw into the pig pens because pigs have the habit of biting each other's tails and ears. And that, of course, is not good for raising pigs. They do that out of boredom. But if they have a ball to to play around with, then they leave each other alone. So those were pig balls made of polyethylene. So they wanted to call my book, Radar Hula Hoops and Pig Balls. So I said, I'm okay with radar and hula hoops, but I don't want to be known as Pig Ball Man. So I suggested that there could be a more enticing term for that one. And I said, let's call it Radar Hula Hoops and Playful Pigs. And uh, that's what the book was called, came out, it became a bestseller and uh, 18 other books followed in the same uh, vein and incidentally after i think about the sixth book they did allow me to use the title the right chemistry and uh, i wish i could tell you that that sold better than any of the others but that was not the case i think they were right that uh you know that wasn't a very seductive title and the fact is that while you Uh, You can't judge a book by the cover. The truth is that you do sell it by the cover. So they were quite right. And Radar Hulups and Playful Pigs was a better title than the right uh, chemistry. Although uh, I have managed to maintain the right chemistry title for the column that I write for the Montreal Gazette.
0: Yeah, and... um... And uh, I don't know if you uh, if um if uh, if you know this or not, but do you know if your books are available in uh, in audio?
1: Yes, they are. Not all of them, but uh, uh, I think about half of them are available in audio.
0: And where can they find them? Where can Audible?
1: Uh, you can find them on Audible. Uh, yeah, you can find them on Amazon. Now,
0: um, and and um and here's it now do you have any is, any questions for me is there something you want to know about me
1: how did you get into this
0: well you know something you know since i was very young you know i'm 34 now right and since i was very young i i always enjoyed listening to the like i always enjoyed listening to talk radio and I I used to enjoy the just the whole the conversational side. I always enjoyed perspectives. I always enjoyed um, uh, people's perspectives. I always enjoy. So I said to myself one day that I would like to, you know, I I, I would I had a dream of, of hosting my own talk show. But but did I but given how but I never realized what I do now. I did not realize that media is the way, like uh, legacy media is the way that it is now. Right. And I said, you know, so, and it was like, well, what am I going to do next? It's kind of like, well, you know, and then I did some, then I did some like customer service stuff, which, um, and then it's like, well, but see, but it always occurred to me, but it was always kind of in my in my head that you know what i still want to do a talk show i still want to host my own show and i always wanted to do it you know the way that i've been wanting to do it
1: so how many do you have
0: i would say on average i think on on depending on what i depending on um the stuff I've, depending on the shows that I've done, I think I've had an average of a thousand,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a thousand, like maybe less than that, uh, uh, maybe uh, plays. Um, but um, but I actually do it because you see, I I do it because um, it's because it's my passion, right? That's why, and you know, being able to have these great—I don't know if you've checked out. Uh, have you checked out some of the stuff I've done?
1: I uh, no, I haven't. So what tell me okay, so
0: as far as who I've had um I've had as, as I mentioned earlier, I had Spider Jones on last week mm-hmm. and i've had many of the ones I've had have been um uh, from um, either who are former broadcasters or current broadcasters and the sports media side for instance i've had not for I've had uh, Dave Trafford on. Uh, okay. From Story Studio Network, and I've had Eric's, I've had um, Eric Smith on uh, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Raptors, and I've had um, uh, Roger Lajoie on as well. Many of them are Toronto. Many of the ones I've had are Toronto sports media and uh, um, broadcasters.
1: Hmm. Okay
0: and right so i cover you know i'm um, you know i i uh, so my my slogan kind of has been that i cover my favorite sports teams um sports media and the world of broadcasting and of course more as well right like we you know having see uh, on having you know people that um you know we we've had a science chat that kind that fits as well so i you know it's always I always like to, as you can tell, I always enjoy that learning. I always enjoy learning. I enjoy listening. I see. Learning, listening, and having that conversation, right? And having that conversation and being as engaging as, you know, as as possible. And really kind of coming to what it is that, you know, maybe even what is it that, I may. What is it that maybe the listener wants to know, or what, or what is it that I want to know that might mm-hmm. be of interest to them? Right. So, uh, one of the other books as well that you've written is uh, an apple a day. If you can, if you can, um, what's that one about? If you can just tell us. Well,
1: the apple a day interview. was all about foods, and of course, uh, food is universally interesting because we all eat and we are all concerned about uh, what to eat and what not to eat and aspects of health so apple a day dealt with that because you know the old adage that an apple a day will keep the doctor uh, away and uh, so uh, many discussions in there about uh, about nutrition about uh, additives sweeteners processed foods etc and uh, these are all sort of issues that I know that people are interested in because I do have my sort of fingers on the pulse of the nation through the radio show. So I know what people are interested in. And those are the kind of topics that I address. And then a couple of years ago when COVID came around, uh, you know, COVID made up a large uh, part of uh, the book that I wrote two years ago. And uh, uh, the, the, latest one uh, or one that is coming out soon uh which should be uh i guess it's coming out in the this this winter some sometime it's uh uh titled uh, superfoods uh silkworms and spandex and uh, again you know we are we're kind of using titles from some of the chapters in the book uh all of which hopefully will create some interest
0: awesome and as we wrap up here is there anything that you would like to share
1: Uh, if anyone is interested in uh, our activities we do produce a weekly newsletter for free of course and uh, all they have to do is uh, get on the mailing list by going to our website which is mcgill.ca slash oss so it's mcgill.ca slash oss and uh, they'll see a a button there. You click on that, and uh, you can subscribe. And it appears in your inbox every Saturday morning at 5 a.m. And it's a mixture of uh, news from the world of science, interesting stuff, curiosities, all written in uh, an entertaining and informative uh, uh, fashion. And uh, we've, uh, we've claimed that if you read that newsletter on a regular basis, You'll be pretty well up to date on what is happening in science, what the issues are, what the controversies are, and um, how to separate the sense from the nonsense.
0: Good stuff. That is awesome stuff. Now, how can people contact you if they have any questions for you? Um, if they've uh, been listening or they want to get in touch, how do they get in touch they, with you?
1: The best way is by email, which is the uh, simple enough. It's the standard McGill email. So it would be Joe. S-C-H-W-A-R-C-Z at McGill.ca.
0: So and of course they can reach me at um http colon slash slash dot Follow me on Twitter at ATOM Podcast, Instagram and Threads, and ATOM Podcast 819 at gmail.com. And we and all over the map will be back on September 7th with Pete Travers for the late lunch. Well, Dr. Jar, I really want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for joining me today. I truly, this this is truly, I truly appreciate it.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much for having me.
0: And I, I hope we can have you back in the future.
1: Okay, thank you. Thank you, and,
0: uh, and we will be back with you, and as we always say, until next time. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at podcast 819 at gmail.com. That is A as in alpha, T as in the, O as in over, M as in map, podcast819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https: colon slash podcast dash all dash over the map. Once again, that is https: colon slash slash alitechgroup dot wordpress dot com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next